One of my earliest memories as a child is when I was four or five, when my family lived in a farmhouse in Greenfield, New Hampshire. I remember my dad and brother going out into the woods to chop down our Christmas tree. I remember the rooms of the farmhouse being scary when storms would pass. I remember the one-lane bridge that made a rattling noise, alerting us to a car coming down the country road past our house. But mostly, I remember a very big, beautiful tree between the front of our house and the road. I loved that tree. I watched through the frail glass of the farmhouse windows as my beloved tree bent and yielded but did not surrender to storms, wind, rain, snow, lots and lots of snow. I remember going to that tree on the mornings my sister got on the bus to go to school. I wanted so badly to go with her, and I used to tell myself that if I just got on the bus behind her, they wouldn't notice that I was there. But I never had the courage to try, and I felt somehow embarrassed that I was standing there, no doubt looking defeated as the bus pulled away with my sister and other children headed to school. My mother usually stood with me at the tree or at the doorway until my sister got on the bus. After the bus pulled away, my mother would head back inside, and I would look up at the branches of that beautiful, strong, and safe tree, and I would ask for a ladder so that I could climb up and away. While I was baptized in a congregational church, I was raised agnostic with no regular religious practice. I can honestly say that that is probably the earliest recollection I have of seeking guidance from a higher power. I'm not sure I wanted to go to school so badly, but I think it might have been the bus that I thought was really cool. Graham. (laughs) On more than one occasion, I packed a paper lunch bag with with a snack, usually saltines, and ran away to my tree. I remember looking back at the house and telling my mother I was never going to come home. I think her response was usually, okay. I secretly wanted her to come out and apologize for whatever uh, indiscretion she had done to make me mad and, and beg me to stay, tell me how much she loved me and would miss me, but she never did. She never fell for my idle threats. I always went home by the time lunch was ready. But when I was under my tree, I felt safe. I felt at home, protected. Somehow I felt a strong connection to that tree. My tree had a spirit, and I felt it every time I was there. Even though I didn't realize it at the time, my tree was teaching me to sit with myself, to spend time contemplating and thinking about life, even if it was just about riding a bus. The first poem I can recall hearing and reciting, or perhaps it's the first one I loved enough to remember, and anyone who knows me knows I love poetry, Uh, in school was called Trees by Joyce Kilmer. Say it with me if you know it. I think that I shall never see a poem lovely as a tree, a tree whose hungry mouth is pressed against the earth's sweet flowing breast, a tree that looks at God all day and lifts her leafy arms to pray, a tree that may in summer wear a nest of robins in her hair. Upon whose bosom snow has lain, who intimately lives with rain. Poems are made by fools like me, but only God can make a tree. Trees are amazing. They provide us with food, shade, oxygen, a resting place, pruned branches for kindling, 
leaves that bloom in spring and flourish in summer, turn beautiful shades in the fall, and shed to decorate the landscape as the season turns to winter. Think for a moment of all the things you associate with trees. Carving names or initials in the tree, which you probably shouldn't do for the health of the tree. Reading a book under a tree, climbing a tree, a tire swing. The kids named a lot of these. Uh, Tire swing from your favorite tree, playing hide-and-seek behind a tree, a tree house, maybe with a sign that says no boys allowed or no girls allowed. (laughs) What else? What am I missing? Anybody think of anything else they remember about trees? Say it again. Hug a tree. Hug a tree. Yeah, that's a good one. I didn't get that one in there. Um, Anything else anybody wants to add? People also plant trees to mark major life events in memory of someone who died, graduation, marriage, birth, etc. Birds, squirrels, and other wildlife depend on trees to live either from the food they need to survive or safe shelter. Trees also make a very good focal point for daydreaming, I've discovered especially if it's windy. Although it's a little tough to explain to a teacher who catches you daydreaming out the window while in class, or you catch yourself before a colleague does when you're staring out the window during a boring meeting at work, I find watching trees engaging and engaging in their active role in our lives and in the world to be therapeutic. It's like meditation. It sets my mind at ease and takes me away from the stressors of the day. I worked for a PR firm many years ago, and it was one of the most interesting places I've ever worked. The owner of the company was going through, let's say, a midlife transition, and she employed the services of a man who was probably a cross between like a life coach and a soul guide. He had worked for some very large corporations to help them realize their potential by facilitating the process of working through their personal clutter and identifying their real selves. Although we were all younger than she, and our lives were not necessarily in the same place as hers, she brought us along for the ride. David was brought in to facilitate her journey, and in the process, it morphed into a company journey. We spent many hours in retreats, special sessions and discussions, pounding on drums, chanting, passing the talking stick, and working on projects to identify our true selves. I don't think I ever really fully understood what the staff was supposed to get out of it, but the owner felt a strong need to find a way to get to know us better and give uh, the staff an opportunity to dig through the cobwebs of our crazy lives, personalities, and baggage to develop a more cohesive working relationship. All good intentions, but it made the more focused, linear thinkers a little frustrated. At any rate, despite my skepticism, I gained many insights from these experiences and eventually realized that I was very fortunate to have been given the opportunity to experience such an eclectic journey with a great group of people. I came to enjoy the time spent with David and my colleagues and learned to respect and accept his insight as a gift. The best thing that I rediscovered in all of these meetings was my deep love and spiritual connection to trees. David came into the office one day for a private meeting with the owner, and when he was finished with the meeting, he popped into my office as I was gazing out the, beautiful, out the window to, the, to a beautiful bank of mostly evergreens behind our office. 
There was a gentle breeze, and the evergreens were flowing gracefully in the wind as the wind swept through their branches, moving like a wave. Now, this is not a wave like in the ocean. I'm talking about like at a baseball game, you know, where everybody does the wave. That's what it reminded me of. He asked me what I was looking at, and I told him I was drawn to trees. He said he had realized over the past few years how much he loved trees, too, and encouraged me to take more breaks and to watch them and appreciate their beauty. My mind immediately went back to that five-year-old in Greenfield, New Hampshire, where I learned peace, patience, grace from the simple beauty of a tree. I gave myself permission to allow my mind to go somewhere else for a little while every day, let my mind wander a little, rest, shed the layers of the day, and set my burdens aside for a moment and recover, rejuvenate, and renew so that I could carry on. Now, according to the almighty book, the author of all that is good and holy, yes, I am speaking of Wikipedia, the concept of a tree of life has been used in biology, religion, philosophy, and mythology. A tree of life is a common motif and alludes to the interconnection of all life on our planet, and it serves as a metaphor for common descent in the evolutionary sense. The tree of knowledge connecting to heaven and the underworld and the tree of life connecting to all forms of creation are both forms of the world tree or cosmic tree, according to the Encyclopedia Britannica, and are portrayed in various religions and philosophies as the same tree. In pre-Islamic Persian mythology, their world tree is a large, sacred haoma tree which bears all seeds. In Egyptian mythology, the first couple are Isis and Osiris. They were said to have emerged from the acacia tree, which the Egyptians considered the tree of life, referring to it as the tree in which life and death are enclosed. And as an odd fact, acacia trees contain DMT, a psychedelic drug associated with spiritual experiences. Just saying. In ancient Armenia, the tree of life was a religious symbol and was drawn on walls, fortresses, and carved on the armor of warriors. The bow tree, also called the Bodhi tree, according to Buddhist tradition, is the pipal, I think I'm saying that right, a sacred fig. Um, The Latin name for it is Ficus religiosa, under which the Buddha sat when he attained enlightenment near Gaia, India. The eternal banyan tree, Akshayavata, is located near the confluence of the Yamuna and Ganga rivers in India. During the cyclic destruction of creation, when the whole earth was enveloped by waters, Akshayavata remained unaffected. It is on the leaves of this tree that Lord Krishna rested in the form of a baby when land was no longer visible. And it is here that the immortal sage, Markandaya, received the cosmic vision of the Lord. It is under this tree that Buddha meditates eternally. Legend has it that the Bodhi tree at Gaia is a manifestation of this tree. In Chinese mythology, a carving of a tree of life depicts a phoenix and a dragon. The dragon often represents immortality. In the 1990s, an archaeological discovery was made of a sacrificial pit in Sichuan, China, dating from about 1200 BCE. The pit contained three bronze trees, one of them more than a foot high. 
At the base was a dragon and fruit hanging from the lower branches. At the top was a strange bird-like creature with claws, perhaps a phoenix. In Catholicism, the tree of life represents the immaculate state of humanity, free from corruption and original sin. Pope Benedict XXVI said that the cross is the true tree of life. St. Bonaventure taught that the medicinal fruit of the tree of life is Christ himself. Mother Teresa said, We need to find God, and he cannot be found in noise and restlessness. God is the friend of silence. See how nature, trees, flowers, grass grows in silence. In Eastern Christianity, the tree of life is the love of God. The tree of life also appears in the Book of Mormon in a revelation to Leahy. It is symbolic of the love of God. Its fruit is described as the most precious and most desirable above all other fruits, which is the greatest of all gifts of God. The tree of immortality is the tree of life motif as it appears in the Quran. Unlike the biblical account, the Quran mentions only one tree in Eden, also called the tree of immortality, which Allah specifically forbade to Adam and Eve. It's Chaim, Hebrew for tree of life, is a common term used in Judaism. The expression found in the book of Proverbs is figuratively applied to the Torah itself. Etz Chaim is also a common name for synagogues as well as for works of rabbinic literature. It is also used to describe each of the wooden poles to which the parchment of a handwritten copy of the Torah is attached. Tu Bishvat, the 15th day of the Jewish months of Shavat, was last Wednesday, February 4th. This festival is also known as the New Year for Trees. That was totally accidental. I didn't plan my sermon around that holiday. But thank you to Sandy for pointing that out for me. And is observed in Jewish communities in the United States. Tubi Shavat was the cutoff date for the levying for levying the tithe on the produce of fruit trees. When Jewish colonists returned to Palestine during the 1930s, they reclaimed the barren land by planting trees where they could. It became customary to plant a tree for every newborn child a cedar for a boy, and a cypress or a pine for a girl. I need to ask Mel or uh, Tamar if they know the reason for that, different trees for the boys or girls. Depictions of world trees are found in the art and mythological traditions of cultures such as the Maya and Aztec. World trees are frequently depicted with birds in their branches and their roots extending into earth or water, sometimes atop a water monster, symbolic of the underworld. The central world tree has also been interpreted as a representation of the band of the Milky Way. In a myth passed down among the Iroquois, the world on the turtle's back explains the origin of the land in which a tree of life is described. According to the myth, it is found in the heavens, where the first humans lived, until a pregnant woman fell and landed in an endless sea, Saved by, the, by a giant turtle from brown, drowning, she formed the world on its back by planting bark uh, taken from a tree. Black Elk, a Sioux medicine man and holy man, describes his vision in which after dancing around a dying tree that has never bloomed, he is transported to the spirit world where he meets wise elders, 12 men and 12 women. The tree of life appears in the Norse religion, 
as the world tree, a massive tree, sometimes considered a yew or an ash, with extensive lore surrounding it. Accounts have survived of Germanic tribes honoring sacred trees within their society. Charles Darwin talked about envisioning evolution as a tangled bank in his book On the Origin of Species. However, the book's sole illustration is of a branched diagram that is very tree-like. He says, As buds give rise by growth to fresh buds, so by generation I believe it has been with the great tree of life, which fills with its dead and broken branches the crust of the earth and covers the surface with its ever-branching and beautiful ramifications. Circle of Trees is a Unitarian Universalist multi-generational tapestry of faith program. The program includes eight workshops that nurture deep connection with trees, nature, and all of Earth's living creatures. The program uses trees as an entry point to understand and connect with life on Earth. They point out in their program description that across many cultures, trees are recognized as a symbol for life on Earth. For example, the biblical tree of life. Even young children understand trees are sustainers of life, as they demonstrated while Sandy was reading. Fundamental engines of life on Earth as we know it. The program emphasizes the critical role trees play by purifying the air we breathe and providing resources for creatures, including humans. They conclude their description by saying that trees bring us peace, joy, and delight. I couldn't agree more. The power, spirituality, and deep meaning of trees has been written about by many authors featured in movies, songs, poems, paintings, sculptures, and other forms of art. This beautiful little tile, I don't know if you can see it, right in front of the chalice here, was painted by our resident artist, Bern Wadica. She also did this painting here. She's very talented. And I love that little tile. Um, a lot of people look at winter trees and they think of, you know, death and they think they're ugly. And, but it's really a, sort of a time for us to be reminded of that, you know, quiet time. We kind of go a little dormant sometimes in the winter and we need to rest up. And then it's also a promise of life to come. This poem was sent to me by Sandy Shahada. I'd never heard it before, and I instantly fell in love with it. It's called Trees by Harry Bain. Trees are the kindest things I know. They do not harm. They simply grow and spread a shade for sleepy cows and gather birds among their boughs. They give us fruit in leaves above and wood to make our houses of and leaves to burn on Halloween and in the spring new buds of green. They are the first when day's begun to touch the beans, beams of morning sun. They are the last to hold the light when evening changes into night. And when a moon floats on the sky, they hum a drowsy lullaby. Of sleepy children long ago, trees are the kindest things I know. Anne Frank often looked out uh, from her attic window at the chestnut tree behind the secret annex. She wrote about it in her diary. Our chestnut tree is in full blossom. It is covered with leaves and is even more beautiful than last year. I can only imagine how important that tree was to her. In the 2009 film Avatar, the Navi live in Home Tree, the spiritual and physical home of the tribe. Over 300 meters tall, Home Tree is connected with all of the other plant life of Pandora through a neural-like network. They revere the tree souls, which is connected with all other living things. 
in It's a Wonderful Life, George Bailey runs into a tree when he's falling apart emotionally. He kicks the tree, and the tree's owner gets upset and tells Bailey how important that tree is to him and his family. But when Bailey returns from his journey with his guardian angel, he stops and acknowledges the old tree. In the HBO drama Six Feet Under, who remembers that show? The opening scene, I loved that show, opening scene has a single tree out in the middle of a field. And I think so many people recognize that and and related to that because we relate to that when we think about life and death. Um, Oftentimes you hear of people saying, I want to be buried under a tree or have my ashes scattered by a tree. In so many ways, trees are a reflection of the cycle of life. Like our family trees, their rings tell a story of their lives. And like all of nature, they cannot live forever, but their presence has a huge impact on us and our own growth and development.